Welcome everyone, and this is another episode of Tandem Coaching Academy's Keeping Agile Coaching Non-Denominational Podcast. We are your hosts today, Shuri Silas and I, Alex Klinov, and today we have Marshall Reynolds joining us. She is the fifth president of ICF, International Coach Federation, and she is one of the founding members of that coaching organization. And you might know Marsha by her book, by coaching the person, not the problem. And the title of that book becomes kind of eponymous of what we do in coaching. Go behind the problem, focus on the person, everything else, hmm, you're probably not digging deep enough. So Marsha, how did you get to writing that book? Yeah. Um, well, thank you, Alex. Um, you know, every book I've written has been uh, out of frustration of watching people and saying, that doesn't work. <laughs> and, you know, I've been teaching coaches for, for decades now and teaching leaders how to coach. Um, from the very beginning, when I first started, I had um, a number of uh, uh, semiconductor companies ask me, could you come teach our leaders some coaching skills? They don't listen really well. <laughs> and so um, I, I wrote um, my last, the book before Coach the Person was The Discomfort Zone. And that was based on, I was finding leaders and coaches have such a difficult time with uncomfortable conversations. They don't like to deal with emotions. Um, yet emotions often lead to the breakthrough. So I wrote that and said I was done. Um, but then <laughs> I started noticing some patterns show up in, when I was mentoring coaches where they weren't identifying where this conversation is going. So they were chasing their clients and, and they felt like they were asking very rote formulaic questions um, that wasn't connecting with the client. And, uh, and, and they were still a little uncomfortable with sharing the emotions that they saw. So I was talking to my publisher and I said, I think I need to write another book, but this one has to be focused just on coaching. Leaders can use it, but it's going to be a coaching book. And he said, okay. And I'm glad I had that boundary because it's now coaches all over the world, e-namely every day, and say, oh, like your book was so helpful. Thank you. It clarified a lot of what it is that we're doing. You know, I just want to end, too, with what you just said about the going deeper. You know, coaching is a learning technology. It's not a therapy. It's not a psychology. It's how we learn and change behavior. When we're telling people what to do, we're just working with uh, working memory, you know, cognitive memory. And it doesn't, it, there may be some different ways we shift in how we see things, but it doesn't change behavior. And, and there's limited capacity and we don't remember, we don't really learn. But coaching, when we go deeper, we're actually going deeper into the brain. <clears throat> where there's a rewiring process going on. And when I see myself in the world totally differently, I will change my behavior. So I said, okay, I got to put that in a book. <laughs> and that's how it came about, just out of frustration that coaches weren't going deep enough. So we're definitely grateful for the book. And I guess the part of that gratefulness goes to your uh, publisher for saying, okay, go and write that. <laughs> so um, 
I was thinking about the questions that I was going to ask and something came to mind. So I'm an ESL, uh, English is not my first language. And uh, it takes time to learn a new language, right? It takes time, it takes perseverance. Somebody has this theory of 10,000 hours, which was debunked. Uh, but the biggest kind of breakthrough on learning journey was um, somebody told me that you need to start talking. You need to stop reading books. You need to stop kind of doing grammar and all that. You just need to go and open your mouth and start talking for goodness sake. And then I'm thinking about coaching and we have these problems with students. Students like, well, we are still learning. We can't yeah. go forward. <laughs> We, we don't know what to do. So what do you want us to do? How do you break through these and basically tell them without practice, you, you're not getting anywhere? You know, well, first I want to share with you that school that I went to for coaching, there was only two, there were three at the time. One was, was fairly small. Um, but Thomas Leonard had started Coach U, you know, and then he, started the ICF. That's how I got involved. And he said that you have to go coach. In our very first class, we were all on the phone. He said, go coach. And we're like, we haven't had a class. What are you do talking about? And he said, just go love them. And I'll never forget that. I love my clients. You know, it's that energy connection that helps them to feel safe. That even if I don't have my skills down and there's no perfection. So if you're trying to achieve perfection, forget it. You'll never do it. You know, but just being present and allowing people to show up fully as themselves in a way they couldn't do anywhere else. That was powerful. And then I started adding in the skills and the practice. But the second part of this, Alex, is we don't learn actually from practice in the moment we learn from reflecting on practice. And that's what coaching is. You know, people don't learn from the experiences, they learn from reflecting on the experience with a coach in a way they can't do for themselves. So this is why we have mentoring groups and, and masterminds and is to look at the coaching that we did. Um, I mean, even now with having transcripts and recordings for certification, Listen to your recordings. You know, it's the reflection on, oh, why did I choose to do that? Or that was, that really worked. Um, it's the reflection where you learn, not necessarily practice, but you got to practice to get the reflection. <laughs> and it's certainly not from reading books, <laughs> although I have my book behind me. <laughs> Read it and go practice it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you, you get a little bit of that information, but the competency really comes in in the application and then reflecting back on how you actually apply that. Right. And so I'm, I'm wondering about what your thoughts are on why a coach? I've got friends at work, I've got family, I've got all these other people that I could be reflecting on things that I've done and talking to. But what makes it different to actually work with a coach? Well, number one, you know, what I had just said about we don't reflect on our own. Our ego actually stops us from going in and, and, and looking at, you know, how do I define myself in this situation? You know, that's when I coach leaders, 
I don't ask them what they did, what was the impact. I said, define leadership for me. And what do you think the people in this on this team or, the, or that you presented to, how do you think they would define leadership? And we start looking at the gap, you know, and, and what are they willing to do to be seen as a leader by others? Then they change their behavior, but they won't do that on their own. You know, because again, they, this is how I define myself and this is why. And we don't question that. So the neuroscientists call it external disruptor. We need an external disruptor to disrupt the thinking patterns because we can't do it ourselves. And uh, the external disruptor <laughs> would then use reflection. So this is what I heard you saying, you know, and summarize. Um, and then ask the question that makes you stop and think about what you said and how you see yourself in the world. And um, it, it needs to be a coach because what you said, uh, you know, I have my friends, I have my, none of them are objective observers. They're gonna want you to see things a certain way based on their perception. And so they're not helpful. Either they're gonna stop you from taking a risk or they're gonna push you into something before you fully examined it. Um, so, you know, even when I was learning coaching, they said, be careful of trying to coach your family members. <laughs> That's a no coaching zone because there's too many things. And it's why the ICF doesn't count when a leader coaches a direct report, they won't count that because there's too many other things messed up in that, that the leader wants them to do this that they cannot be the objective external disruptor, you know, um, that, that the coach can provide. And, and that's, so that's why, you know, so it shifts in, in our thinking and it comes back to Alex, what you said, the deep process, the deep process that changes the wiring in our brain and changes our behavior. And, you know, we learn and change. And even if the, the manager feels like they can hold themselves in a neutral space. It's not the same for the employee. There's still that, yeah, and I've got to worry about she, Right, and <laughs> they both have bias. Yeah. They both have bias and blind spots. And a blind spot is blind. You can't see your blind spots. Well, That's what blind. Yeah, exactly. So you need someone else to kind of open the door and so you can peek through and go, oh. Yeah, so no, I mean, a leader can coach other people, but not their direct reports. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I want to pull this into a direction that where everybody pretty much starts. Coaching is about asking powerful questions and asking a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. And what's sad, a lot of coaches stop there. Yeah. They ask questions and they keep asking questions. And sometimes we saw this like, this coaching session, quote unquote, turns into kind of a firing squad of questions. Yeah, it's So <laughs> what you did in your book, absolutely fantastic thing. Um, it's not something new, it's not something groundbreaking, but you kind of coalesce that into words, like the direct communication competency that comes with ICF. You basically pulled it and you said, it's a reflective inquiry. Yeah. You basically give a statement, reflective statement. Here's what's coming up for me. Here's what I hear. Here's my intuition. And then you ask a question. 
So you rub it up into this really nice package. So, and again, not a new concept, but really greatly put together so that it kind of clicked. It, it definitely clicked for me. That's how we call it. So how do coaches move from just like, yeah, I need to be asking these questions to feeling more comfortable and giving their reflective statements to the client? First, I want to say it's really sad that somehow even some of the coaching schools teach you must ask powerful questions. And again, if you look at it's not just direct communications, but even the competency of uh, active listening, the first two behavior, behavioral markers are um, did the person reflect what they heard? It's, you know, the first one is uh, some the words. Did they, did they summarize? Did they paraphrase? Did they use metaphor? You know, based on what they heard. And then the second marker is, did they reflect emotional shifts? Okay. Not ask questions, but reflect. So the intention was always there and we're always looking for that. So somehow along the way that even school started teaching only ask open questions, I don't know where that came from. And even, you know, Michael Bungay Stanier and I had a conversation because his book, The Coaching Habit, you know, the seven questions. And he said to me, you know, Marsha, I'm not teaching coaches. I'm trying to get leaders to be more curious. So my audience is different than yours. So yes, I want them to start asking these questions, but I, but I don't intend for coaches to do this. You know, and that's, that's also a problem. So I'm, I want to share that my second master's degree in the late 80s, I now am aging myself, I have another birthday next week, <laughs> was in um, adult learning. So that's why I'm, I'm kind of into learning. And I ran training departments for technical companies, um, first healthcare and then technical companies for 16 years. And I was always looking at what changes behavior. How do people learn? It's um, so I'm a, I'm a researcher, and uh, I I learned it was 1910 when John Dewey wrote his book uh, How We Think, and the first chapter he defined coaching, and and he wanted teachers to get kids to think, um, you know, more critically and broadly for themselves. So he said, first you reflect. So here's what I hear you saying. So they can start listening to themselves because often what they say was what their parents told them. <laughs> you know? And so they start listening and then ask questions. So they start to examine what it is they're saying. So he wrote this, this was his work. He coined reflective inquiry in 1910, long before the behavioral therapies you know, decades before the behavioral therapies came into play. And again, that's another piece that has gotten lost along the way, you know, that it's reflective inquiry that we do as coaches, not just asking questions. You know, so I think there's a quote in my book that, um, you know, questions may give you some answers, but inquiry will give you insight. And we're doing insight-based learning, not fact-based learning, insight-based learning. So we need to use reflection as well as questions. 
And I'm hoping that the book simplified it because frankly, just summarizing what somebody said, using the keywords that popped out. So when you started this, you were saying that you wanted to, to create something that seems to be out of control right now, define out of control for me. You know, so did you have an expectation of what would happen and now it's not? You know, so where are you in that process? Is it totally <laughs> blown up? But it starts by me saying, this is what you said. And then I'm curious. Mm. Yeah, and um, I've seen where people who are learning coaches, when we talk about the, this is what you said, they um, go on a, on a long ramp, uh, rampage. They care it. Yeah. Here's the last four paragraphs you said word for word. And we're like, yeah, what no, are they learning from that? It's like Alex, you know, practice. Okay, start there. But then <laughs> start listening for the keywords. You know, mostly the keywords will have some emotional hit. Mm. What pops out? What pops out? You know, and it's often in the first couple sentences, or it could be as they start to tell their story. All of a sudden, it's like, Anne, let me just tell you, like this woman was talking yesterday, and she was talking about the rehearsal dinner for her son, and it started out really like going to be simple, and then they started adding people, and she's having to deal with her ex-husband, <laughs> who's a control freak. You know, and not allowing her to do what she wants. So she's got a little bit of control there, too. <laughs> you know, and um, but it was like picking out. Oh, you know, so here's this celebration that now seems to be um, uh, creating frustration and anxiety when you really want to just to celebrate your son. Mm. You know, so do you want to work on how you can clear the space to uh, create an event that you feel good about? Or is it, um, you know, something else in, in, in the planning or even dealing with you have to come back together with your ex-husband, you know, and, and that you'd like to see a way that you can work through that in, amicably? What part of this process would be important to you? So again, you hear, I pulled out key words. She had a two minute story um, and I actually interrupted her because this was a, an exercise. It would have gone on longer, <laughs> but I just pulled out keywords. She goes, oh yeah. And I am a recovering and control freak, <laughs> <laughs> but he's going to bring up all this stuff. And so she started into that. And that was clearly, you know, what that as it got more complex, the relationship was making it worse. But I just gave back to her the key words and being curious about how is this impacting what it is you want to create in terms of celebrating your son, you know? So we, this is where the deeper listening comes in. That's the practice. And I always say, don't, don't, don't listen because then it's an act of listening. I hate that actually. It's a receiving. And see what happens when I actively listen, my camera goes out of focus. <laughs> It'll come back. But if I just am totally open and I receive what you give me, the key things are going to start popping out. And I share that back with you 
And then I'm just curious, what does that mean to you? And how does that relate to what you want to create? You know, and so it's simple, but not. <laughs> but it's more the practice of listening than it is what you say. Yeah. Okay. So, Marsha, you said something that I can just imagine people are in their seats saying, what? I can't believe she said interrupt. You don't interrupt clients. That's not coaching. Tell well, us first let me say that, that, that you, what you did not hear was I said it was an exercise. It was not coaching. Okay, so this was the first session where she had two minutes and, and then people were uh, gonna share what they noticed. So, so I had full permission to interrupt her for the exercise. So this was not a coaching demonstration, um, but it ended up being some coaching for her. Uh, but I do interrupt when people start going, you know, sometimes we have verbal processors mm -hmm. and I will, I, I need to hear the story. I never start with, so what do you want to accomplish today? They don't know. You know, I start just, I move into the coaching with, uh, you know, uh, uh, you had said before we even met that you had a challenge you want to work on. Why don't you tell me about that or what's coming up for you uh, in terms of your challenges recently? Um, or, and my clients always come with a list. Here's what I want to work on. And I'll say, okay, so did you bring your list? <laughs> you know, and so we get into the conversation. I need to hear their story. I need to hear, because, you know, we, we, we make decisions and we act based on the stories we hold that have all been built from our past experiences. And we take out a story and then we act on it. And so I need to hear the story. As they start repeating the story, then I always move in and ask permission. So, you know, I think before we move on, I just, you know, I wonder if I could just share with you some of the main things you, you said. So, you know, we could just look at um, if that's important or what we might do with that. If I ask permission, they always give it to me. You know, um, on a rare occasion, they're like, no, I'm not done. Okay. <laughs> but that's, you know, only because they're starting to repeat themselves, not because I'm impatient. And often what will happen with people who, who uh, are verbal processing, they'll start on one track and they start moving off into other. And that's also a moment to say, um, you know, we, uh, could I just make sure I understand where we're going with the conversation? Because you started here, you know, talking about uh, the rehearsal dinner. <laughs> and now you're talking about um, uh, some very specific things and your relationship. Okay, so, so could, what, what about that would you like to focus on? in our time together. Um, so it's gotta be purposeful interruption, not just because you're impatient and you don't wanna listen anymore. Because then we ask permission based on the purpose. And, and that's how you interrupt. As, as um, uh, Julius Ordonez says to me, he goes, it's called elegant interrupting. That's what you do. <laughs> so I'll take that. <laughs> All right, so <clears throat> advice from Marsha Reynolds, don't interrupt unelegantly, interrupt elegantly. All right, so, and, um, <clears throat> so uh, if we're looking at uh, ICF competencies and I 
kind of wouldn't recommend somebody who just dive in to look at, at ICF competencies because they're like, I have no clue what they're talking about here, right? Um, you, you're looking at that and you kind of start understanding what this whole thing about coaching the whole person is, right? So uh, we're not talking about what they say, we're talking about what they communicate, which is much more than just the words that coming out of their mouth. So, and you did such a great job with defining reflective inquiry, really concise, really succinct that I can take to my students all day long. And they're like, oh, now, now, now that makes sense. What the heck you've been talking about. Yeah. So uh, what's your definition of coaching the person and not the problem? How do you know you actually do that? Mm. Um. Well, you know, I think the, the, the key thing is what I just said about we're, we're coaching their story. Um, you know, their story around the situation. Their story is how they identify, um, you know, how they see the situation, um, but how they see themselves in that situation. Uh, you know, their beliefs, their assumptions, and, uh, you know, what's going on around them, other people, uh, the organization. Um, that first I want you just, the beliefs and assumptions are the frames. And um, if I just look at the problem, you know, one of the things I'm reading some recent research on learning and they said, um, problem solving doesn't teach you how to problem solve. You just solve that problem, but you don't know how to problem solve, you know, going forward because you're using the wrong part of the brain. <laughs> and so, all you're doing is solving one individual problem, not shifting somebody's perspective so they see themselves and the world around them in a broader way. So to make the shift, I'm curious about the meaning of the words that you use. Um, you know, and I always ask about the words but and should, you know, because but indicates a fear. Um, you know, I want to do this but. Okay, so, you know, a fear and assumption. Um, so I want to look at that fear, that assumption. You know, assumptions are predictive about the future, but they're usually out of our imagination. We're making it up. <laughs> you know, so I want to look at that. And the word should, you know, and, and the interesting thing is how many other cultures that the word should even comes up even more than here in the United States. You know, so I teach for coaching schools in China, in Russia, in the Philippines. Um, so, and, you know, I have worked with coaches all over the world. And, and so the word should indicates a conflict of values. I mean, in a question, I don't like giving people questions because I want it to be spontaneous, but a, a good question is, how are your shoulds getting in the way of what you want? <laughs> but the shoulds are, it's like, who's saying should? Are you saying it to yourself? You know, is it other people in the organization who should do this? Is it your family? <laughs> you know, and I was coaching this woman in China and she's like, well, but everybody's telling me I shouldn't leave this job, but I'm so bored and I hate it. Um, but that I should stay, that I'm lucky to be here. It's like, you should stay in a job you hate. You hear that? <laughs> so how long are you willing to live by that should? You know, and just simple things like that, how powerful that is for someone. 
you know, and she held on to her should till later that day, she came back to me and said, okay, I got it now. <laughs> you know, because it was a very strong should. So, um, you know, the beliefs, the assumptions, the needs, you know, but this is what I need. Uh, you know, the values, the conflict of values. This is what blinds us, you know, the whole blind spot or, or the avoidance of what I don't want to look at that we can't make our best choices until we do, you know? And so as a coach, I'm just helping you see beyond your story, but you can't see beyond the story till you actually see the story. So I need to reflect to you what I hear. So you see your story out here. And that's what John Dewey said. It's like climbing a tree in, in your brain and looking down on your story. So I'm taking the story out of your brain and you're looking at it in an objective way, which you can't do yourself. And going, oh, wow, that's a funky story. That's getting in my way. <laughs> and then we can look beyond the story to what else is possible. That's going to have a much greater impact on your future than just, you know, solving an external problem out here, which doesn't change your behavior and you don't learn from that. Yeah. And talking to a lot of people who are changing careers or who looking to move up, I hear that a lot. I'm just lucky to be employed these days. I'm like, it doesn't yeah. sound too lucky to me. <laughs> Not at least the way you kind of say it. Yeah. Actually, that's changing. You know, a lot of people during the pandemic, there's a lot yeah. of research that said they finally stopped and said, I hate that job. I'm not going back, you know. And so that, you know, a lot of companies that are saying, you know, they can't, they can't find good people to hire. That's because they're good people said, oh, I'm not going back to that, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, you know, here they want to blame it on, oh, they got stimulus money or unemployment. No, they just don't want to work for you, you know, and so when that money dries up and they still don't have the good people, they're going to have to look at themselves. It's like, what kind of environment are we offering? What yeah. kind of leadership, am, you know, what kind of a leader am I? Um, a lot of change. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we probably have a time for another question. Uh, and I want to hit on something you actually mentioned twice. You mentioned being present. And yeah. in your book, it's one of my highlights that uh, you're saying being present is more important than being perfect. Yeah. So what is being present in coaching for you? Yeah, actually, I came up with that in the discomfort zone because you know we avoid conversation so we think we can handle it um first off there's no in any discipline you know i took martial arts for years and so this is embedded in me you don't get perfect you just get better and then the discipline is the practice um and then you know we we look at it you know and so what could i do better and so mastery is a journey you know there's no like perfect coach i'm not a perfect coach um Yesterday, while I was doing a demo, you know, she said something about her father and I instantly went back to my, you know, I have a doctorate in psychology. I had like, oh, I know what's wrong with him. And then I'm like, stop that. <laughs> and I had to let it go. And so I could come back to presence. That's the practice. And, and so if you're so stuck on, I can't coach till I get it right, you know, or, um, uh, uh, the, the, the thinking about process. Okay, so what question do I ask next? And, um, you know, did I get the outcome? And am I going to ask enough open questions? 
you're not present, you're in your own head and you will miss the key moments, you will miss them. So work on your presence and then you'll just get better within your skills over time. Mm-hmm. You know, people always say, how do you do what you do? Well, I started coaching school 26 years ago, okay? You know, and, and it took me years. There were uh, every year I'd look back and say, wow, what was I doing last year? I wasn't really coaching. <laughs> you know, so we just get better. Well, 26 years, you've got a ton to teach the world. And we've loved the learning that we've gotten from you. And so if people want to learn from you now, what, what are some of the things that they should be reaching out to you for? Yeah. Well, you know, my website is co-visioning one word, covisioning.com. And I, you know, I, I monthly post a blog post there. Um, there's resources to use around the book. Actually, if you put in coach the person resources, there's a secret page <laughs> that has videos and handouts and things that I had created when I launched the book. So there's your secret page that will help you to implement um, Uh, all the things I teach in the book. So, but you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, You know, that's where I communicate, I think the most on social media. Wonderful. I'm going to go check out that page as soon as we're done here. It's been wonderful having you, Marsha. We're honored to be able to spend some time with you. And I know that our listeners are um, going to get great benefit from this conversation today. So thank you. No, you're so welcome. Thank you for asking me to be here. Welcome, and everyone. This is Tandem Coaching Academies, Keeping Agile Coaching Non-Denominational. We're your host, Alex Kudnov, and I, Cherie Silas. Goodbye.